Hello, friends. Um, welcome to another episode of Notes on Work. I'm your host, Caleb Porzio. And my voice is low. It's morning voice. Can you tell? Can you tell that this is first thing in the morning? And why am I recording this podcast? Well, let me tell you. For the sole purpose of getting through some of this morning voice so that I can record screencasts <laughs> because I need to talk. I think that's the cure for morning voice is talking, I guess. Um, but yeah, I, so I'm screencasting again and I'm reminded of all the little funny things that go with that. And one of them is morning voice, because if I start out in the like crack beginning of the day and start, you know, recording, and then as the day goes on, my voice gets higher or softer maybe. And and when you're watching these videos, you can just tell the difference like big time when it goes from the end of the day back to the beginning of the day. And then you're like, holy cow, his voice just dropped an octave. And so whatever. I don't know if other people do this. Is that something people do? Do people time their screencasts so that they don't have morning voice? Um, yeah, I don't know. The random other thought, related thought, I was watching Suits and there's like two there were there's been two occurrences where the main character Harvey has had a cold in real life like you can tell it's like oh he's got a cold and that's one of those things that that does show up in shows and I'm sure they try really hard to not have that happen but they can't like hold up the whole schedule because you have congestion you know like they must they must have some trade secrets on how to not sound like you have a cold they must be like huffing nasal spray and stuff before. I should honestly look up what actors do to avoid sounding like they have a cold. Just, you know, for my own purposes for screencasting. Because I also have a cold. And that stopped me from recording basically all week. Not because I was too sick, but because I sounded like garbage. Um, so, I don't know. That's something random. What, I mean... Again, this podcast is just so that I can get rid of this morning voice. You're the fool for listening to it. And, they, you know, don't make your audience a fool, Caleb. You're smart and talented and decided to listen to this. Um, something like that, I always think, like, the wrong place, the wrong place to go to learn how to not sound nasally is Googling how to not sound nasally, buying some product that's supposed to make you not sound nasally. I don't know, something like that. The place to go is where there's extreme like financial motivation for like celebrities to high stakes situations to not sound nasally. That's where you want to go. I'm trying to think if there's other examples where I think about this sort of thing where I'm like, oh, they had to figure this out because the money made them. So that's the place you want to go to figure out what to do, not Google or whatever. Anyway, I can't think of another good example. So it's just a random thought, but okay. Continuing on with the screencasting thoughts. Um, something I love about screencasting that I'm reminded of. It's some of my favorite work. That was my feeling yesterday. It was like, oh, I hope I don't stop doing this. Um, it's some of my favorite work for a handful of reasons. Biggest one I've talked about before. You can be done. You can do something, package it up and it's done. It's not evergreen. You know, you might have to re-record the new version two years later, three years later, which is what I'm doing. But when you finish that thing, nobody's, well, people might even report a bug, but it's done. You get what I'm saying. It's not software. It's, it's a piece of media. And that feels amazing to be done with, to do work and then 
ship it, and it's done, packaged, done. Um, have I said the word done enough? I'm done saying that word. Um, so <clears throat> being done is awesome. Another thing that I love about it is it gives me a a little sandbox to make perfection. Like I can make my desktop perfect and I can make the project I'm working on perfect and the code I write perfect and I can stress out over the code to make it perfect. And if there's something imperfect, I can take, I and I often do like take a few days and try to make it perfect or add a feature to liveware to make it perfect or refactor something or whatever. Um, it's my chance. It's like, it's like, I can't make my life perfect. That's what it is. I can't make my life perfect. That's too much for me. That's too hard. I will always be a disorganized person. I will be relatively messy. I will be, I will have a hard time, you know, completing things. I will be scatterbrained. That is my curse in life. But when I'm screencasting, I can pretend for a minute that that's not my life. I can produce something that you can watch and go, he's pretty put together. This guy's clean. He lives a clean life, you know? And it feels that way when I'm recording it. It's like, oh, my desktop is perfect. My project is perfect. Everything's perfect, you know? And that is awesome. And I love that. Um, So that's, yeah, that's just a good reminder to me of another thing I love about screencasting, but more on that, like that's sort of the feeling of, of, um, achieved perfection, you know, in a sandbox, but there's also the, the programming side of it, like the more technical side that the code that I'm writing can be perfect. Like I, like I just said, I can make it perfect. But what I mean is when you're writing code, normally it's trade-offs all the way down. You make concessions you, you know, blah, blah, blah. Programming is both good and bad. As you know, there's fun programming and there's not fun programming. This programming is both, but I consider it more fun because it's performative in a sense. I, you know, it's like there's, it's, there's a balance and I, every screencaster is different. You know, every educator is different and every piece of education is different where it exists on the spectrum of reality like somebody, like a hack session, somebody pulling up. The most extreme example of this would be somebody refactoring someone else's app or even their own app on a live stream or something, just with all the gory details. Um, And then the extreme other end is something that's contrived and just meant to, or I guess the real extreme other end is like um, an animated, you know, presentation about something. I don't know. I just saw Next.js. Somebody who works for Vercel did a, Next.js routing video on like showing how the routing system works and it's freaking good and top notch. But yeah, this is one of those like unbelievable levels of polish. Um, so <clears throat> anyway, every a piece of education exists on a spectrum in that. And it's nice to be able to do something that's more towards the polished and presentable side, especially for this intro level stuff that I'm doing. Um, I'm definitely going to get into weeds later on, but even those weeds, it's not like I'm stepping into a maintenance project. I'm I'm not riddled with imperfection. I'm not riddled with a massive amount of scope. Um, It's like just this little slice of heaven. Yeah. I don't know. And that goes to my, my, you know, as a programmer, I, I am, I am the greenfield guy, you know, It always seemed obvious to me that Greenfields are the best. What I mean by Greenfield is just 
uh, start fresh, brand new project, that kind of thing. Like when I worked at Titan, there were some projects that I was on that were greenfield. And then there were some that weren't. And when you're at a product company, it was the same thing. Actually, there's internal projects that are greenfield and there's internal projects that aren't. So I don't know, probably my actual like developer career before this open source life was probably split 50, 50 between greenfield and brownfield. And the greenfield is the best. And I loved the greenfield. And I just thought it's, it's like something that everybody loves and you do the brownfield because that's what you have to do. Um, but when I got to Titan, there were definitely a handful of people that preferred the brown field for some reason. Matt Stauffer claims to prefer the brown field. I don't understand, but I guess I do get like there's some satisfaction in taking something that is, you know, imperfect and making it more perfect or taking something and leaving, you know, boy scouting it, making it, leaving it better than you found it. <clears throat> but anyway, that, that's not me. Um, and that, that's always a balance. You know, I'm, I rewrote Livewire to make it a green field because if it was just going to be a brown field forever, it, you know, we've talked about that ad nauseum. Um, and these screencasts, I was actually telling Mitch about him and he's like, well, what? oh, you're re he was like surprised. Like you're re-recording all of these. Like you're not, you know, I was like, no, they're outdated. Um, and a lot of the content's still very good in the Livewire 2 screencasts. And I put many, 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 many hours into them. Um, but it almost didn't even occur to me to refresh them without re-recording them because I need the greenfield. That's what sustains me. Um, and that's why I surround myself with people who are less like that. Like Jason Beggs is somebody who is more uh, disciplined in that regard. And, and that's so I can sort of take a weakness of mine, partner up with him. And now I have a, now that weakness is covered by his strength. Um, yeah. So Greenfield Brownfield, I think is one of those, maybe it's a develop, I think it's partially a developer personality thing. Um, maybe it's all a developer personality thing, <laughs> but yeah, I don't know. All right. Well, I try not to ramble on here past 10 minutes, although I haven't been sticking to that at all. Um, hopefully I worked through some of this voice stuff. La 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 la. <clears throat> nah. And I don't know if I did. Well, see you later, friends. Thanks for hanging out.